My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. My guest today is the awesome Sam Bramwell. Sam is Solutions Director for Business Applications at Microsoft, and she's enjoyed a career with them for over 12 years, holding roles such as the UK Chief of Staff and Director of Sales Operations. Now, I've known her for a while, and I think she's a real force for good. Sam's passionate about diversity and inclusion, and I love that she describes herself as a bit of a hippie. I know that you're going to love her as much as I do. She is matching my red lipstick today. And it's just such a joy to see you, Sam. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. It's Monday. It's a little bit drizzly outside, but I'm feeling really good today. Really good. And I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And we're in lockdown, of course, again, aren't we? We're in the second lockdown. So I'll be interested to understand how you and the family are coping with that. But as you know, this podcast is all about you and your lessons learned and your resilience and what I like to call the shake your pom-poms moment. (laughs) So let's kick off there because I'd love it if you would just share with us your three proudest moments. My three proudest moments would be kicking cancer's butt. That would be one of them. So when I was 27, being diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Having moved country to be with my now partner, I moved to Ireland and within three months of being there, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, albeit stage one, but having to go through a ton of operations and things like that and really focusing on the positive and self-awareness, self-discovery. We'll talk a bit about more about that later, I'm sure. My second one would be my kids actually, as a byproduct of having ovarian cancer, I had to have egg donation and go on that massive journey through IVF. And that was a big test of my resilience and vulnerability, actually, and my fear of failure. So I'm very proud of them. I'm proud of the journey that we all went on as a family. And they're just amazing. And my career, my final one would be my career. I didn't do brilliantly at school. I didn't know what I wanted to be. Well, I did but it wasn't in business at that point. And I'm just really proud of the career I've had at Microsoft particularly. And, you know, the experiences I've had, the ability to impact people's lives and particularly the work that I do with the women at Microsoft Community. Wow. God, I don't know where to start with all of that. (laughs) I mean, talk about huge, meaty subjects there. I mean, the first one you saw my jaw just hit the floor when you said about 
ovarian cancer because I didn't actually know that about you. Gosh, really? Okay. Oh my goodness. I mean, to face into that at 27, you know, the bravery and the courage that you would have needed. Talk to me a little bit more about how you coped with that and how you got through it. A lot of, a lot of laughter, actually. I think it was, it was a real shock. It was a shock being in a different country, having moved from England to Ireland, being in a brand new relationship and your kind of futures ahead of you. And, and then getting that diagnosis, it was really, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. It was tough, but I did a lot of focus on myself. I had an amazing doctor, an amazing set of people around me because I was, I was so young that they just embraced me. They kind of lifted me up and, you know, offered me lots of psychotherapy. I got really into meditation, into alternative therapies. I was bothering my doctor every five minutes, telling him exactly what kinds of HRT I should be on and shouldn't be on. For me, it was trying to take some control back over an illness that makes you feel weirdly, well, horribly out of control. But actually the one thing that I was really, really sad about, I I had this really bizarre moment it was the 4th of November that I went to hospital. So 22 years ago, last week, that's how old I am. <laughs> and I can remember going into hospital and my mum not being there. And my mum and I are really, really close. My partner being away on traveling for business. And we didn't realize kind of how serious it was going to be. And that moment, I remember coming around for the operation and I was really groggy. And this gyny nurse sort of telling me, I'm really sorry, but it's worse than it was. And my first thing was not the cancer it was the it was my desire to have children being taken away from me and that was really really hard to cope with as well as going into kind of surgical menopause and all these other things dealing with the fact that I might not be a mum which was really really important to me was tough but the way I deal with things is I always fundamentally believe you can be anything you want to be just what you kind of put your mind to I'm a really really positive person and I just engaged all of that I looked at healing, I looked at diet, exercise. I started up a charity in Ireland to help other women overcome this type of thing. And that helped me channel that kind of negative energy, if you like, and turn it into something positive. So that's how, I, how I've coped with anything that's just been thrown at me. It's just focus on it, you know, understand it, be as positive as you can. And yeah, fortunately, I'm, I'm still here. Absolutely, fortunately. And I like what you've said there about going and understanding. So doing the research to give you the information, which then gives you, as you say, that sense of control rather than creating narratives based on the unknown. Yes. That's a really good tip that for general life, actually, and the things that we face into and keeping that sort of the, the fear spectrum, as I call it, in the concern side, rather than you know, letting it spiral out of control based on things that you don't know. That's a really good tip. And I guess one of the things that I've learned from friends who've experienced cancer is there's almost an expectation that if you survive, you then need to be incredibly grateful for the life that you have and sort of live each day with this positivity and optimism because you've survived. How does that figure in your life and how do you cope with the days when you perhaps don't feel like that? It's a really good question. I think you're right. So many times people do feel this thank God I'm here. And in fact, I put a post out on Facebook earlier on last week saying 22 years, I'm still here. I'm still fighting. I think it's okay to have down days, right? I think it's okay to have those moments when you're like, I wish this hadn't happened to me. 
you know, recently I've, I've talked a lot about going into my second menopause, my natural menopause cycle, which who has two in their life? That's unfair, but it's definitely worse this time around. But I, I could just sit here and wallow. My view is it's okay to do that, but not to go in so deep that you can't get yourself kind of out of it. And to give yourself time. I think it's really important that you give yourself time to understand what's actually going on in your head and your heart and how you're feeling and sort of tap into that and find things that will help you feel good about yourself to bring yourself through it and out of it. I know that's not easy for everybody. Some people really struggle with that, but you know, I will give into it. I'll give into the, the kind of the woe is me moment every so often, particularly when I was going through the decision around, do I go through egg donation and IVF and what happens if my children hate me and, and those things. But you know, you just have to kind of plow on. You have to realize that actually all these things I feel are always put in our path for a reason. I'm not religious at all, but I just fundamentally believe that things are put ahead of us for a reason and they teach us kind of life lessons and you have to kind of work through that yeah yeah you're absolutely right and you mentioned the term vulnerability as part of the journey of egg donation and I always feel that that side of it isn't the one that's talked about openly very often so I'll meet lots of women who feel that sense of failure that you've just referred to and you know they'll go and they'll try and find something to hook into and feel normal around that feel like other people feel it too and it isn't really talked about so that vulnerability is really key I think on the journey you're describing so can you tell us a little bit more about what that meant for you yeah and it plays out differently across my life I think around vulnerability I kind of share with you I'm a definite perfectionist and definitely had fear of failure and things like that sometimes in my life and going on that journey I mean it took me from I mean when I was what 20 28, 29, 30, by the time I was really sort of bodily healing to, I'd say my late thirties to make that decision. And I ummed and I ahed and I was like, but what if it doesn't work? What if, what if, you know, what if children hate me and they, you know, what if people, they don't look like me, all these kinds of really, these, all these things are natural to kind of go through. And I had to, I had to really step outside of myself. I had to say, you know, what really is the worst that can happen? You can try again. You know, you can put things in place to go through it and support yourself on that journey. But I really had to step into it. And I found it really hard, you know, to the point where it was like, do I want to share with people the journey that I'm going on? And actually, I realized I needed to. So, you know, I, I found a great online community of people who could help support me. And that really helped me. I meditated a huge amount, actually. And that's really, really helps me through moments of vulnerability you know, even visualizations, all of those kinds of things that, that help me to think about the outcome I'm trying to drive. But there were times when I, I didn't want to go for it. And, and I remember our first attempt, there was a lady who offered her eggs to me, who was known to me. And she pulled out about three months after wanting to go ahead. That was so heartbreaking for me in that moment. But actually, I knew it was my path. I was then put on a program for a trial of frozen egg donation with a clinic in Ireland. And as a result, have my two beautiful children. It worked first time, both cases. You know, I was really lucky. And I always go into this saying, my situation could be far worse off. You know, I know how I need to get pregnant. There are so many women out there who have undiagnosed infertility, who struggle and struggle and struggle and go through so much rejection, pain, and, and grief, actually, that I felt privileged in a way that I knew exactly what my outcome needed to be or what my journey needed to be. 
and I always kind of held on to that. But it's those moments, you know, I, I have a very close family and they really help me when I'm feeling really low. And, you know, I can talk to my mom about anything, my brothers as well. They kind of help me manage through what's the worst that can happen here. You've been through the worst. What's the worst that can happen? Mm. There are always other avenues. And, and that's how I kind of coped with it at that point. That what's the worst that can happen is really powerful. And, and also thinking the flip side of that as well, as you say, what the outcome could be and that visualization bit, doing both of those things in balance is really useful. And you're saying yeah. meditation help you, reaching out to people sharing your story through different forums so it's kind of almost multifaceted in terms yeah. of the way that you handled it and on the days and this is for general life as well I suppose on the days when you know you're on the floor and things aren't going your way how do you bounce back from that or bounce forwards as I like to call it <laughs> I used to be really bad at self-care I have to say I think just you know I've classed myself as somebody who really throws himself into everything but doesn't always take time out for me. And I've recognized, particularly over the last 10 years and, and more so the last five years, that importance around self-care and that, you know, resilience comes from your ability to kind of take time out and set boundaries for yourself. And recently during the lockdown, I mean, I've really had to learn how to put those boundaries in place and manage through, you know, when you're kind of knocked down or you're exhausted, take time out, go for a walk, be with nature. I'm a tree hugger. So I have an oak tree <laughs> near me that I will go and sit near and walk by. And I do hug it. I, I have no shame in admitting those things. But for me, nature is a real important part of how I bounce back. Being by the sea, I took a month off during August to completely recharge and spent lots of it by the sea and the mountains. I also find journaling as well. I love writing. And I'd forgotten my love of writing and literature and those things when you work in a corporate life where everything's in a PowerPoint or bullet points. And I find journaling and gratitude as well really, really helps me focus on the things that I have, not the things that I have not. And they help me to kind of bounce back. Also, a few years ago, really got into my fitness and started to run and run a marathon. And that really taught me a lot about how I push myself through barriers and that you can do it. You know, when you last six miles of a marathon, you think, I can't do this anymore. I want to give up. And you know that actually you've got loads of donation money coming in for a charity and you've got people at the other end who are waiting there. The ability to, you, you know that you can push through it. And, and I think it just teaches a huge amount of you about yourself. But I do think self-care boundary setting are really important in that resilience piece. And then from a vulnerability perspective, I've learned so much about myself and how people respond to me when I'm vulnerable. I recently published a big article on LinkedIn around my menopause and menopause at work. And it took me, I mean, I I've had that in my head for two months and I was terrified about putting myself in the arena as Brene Brown calls it. I thought, what do I have to lose? If I can help another person, another woman, even another man understand what it's like for me in the workplace right at this moment, I would have done something. I may have changed a life. And that's what gives me purpose. It's what helps me to, to kind of bounce back. And that purpose that you talk about is something that really stands out for me when I observe you and you know, I'd say we've known each other for a few years now and you really are built for helping other people. And there are so many different causes that you're involved in. And, and the fact that in the Venus Awards, you won the Manager of the Year Award just shows how much you give of yourself to others. And I think that's something to be admired. But 
it not only helps other people, it really helps you, doesn't it, to get that sense of fulfillment? It does. There was something I read, and I can't remember which book it was. It will come back to me, I hope. But it talked about, you know, people who are genuinely givers they can recharge through giving, right? They don't need to see it as a negative. Often I used to get given lots of feedback and coaching around, don't give all of yourself, you know, don't keep giving to people. But I get recharged through it. But I, what I have learned is how I manage that time. So doing things that I love to do. For example, I'm involved with a charity called Creating Better Futures and I, I adore it. I love it because I feel really valued through the process and the engagement. And I can see the impact that we're having. When we make decisions, sometimes it's a little bit more challenging in a corporate world because things are so protracted at times and sometimes political. But I do think that having purpose, being vulnerable, being resilient and giving time to others is an important part of me and it helps me to lead a fuller life. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that's important to me, not just the making money and buying a house and those things, but actually what can I give back? And maybe it's a sign of me being a bit of an old lady. But actually during the COVID, the first lockdown, back to, you know, the conversation we're having earlier about trying to make sense and control what your kind of random world is, I set up a volunteer group in my area because I'd hated the thought of my elderly neighbours not having anyone to support them. And that was so lovely. It was just such a small thing, but it's given me so much pleasure. And I've now got this my new best 87-year-old friend from Northern Ireland who has the wickedest sense of black humour <laughs> I would have ever met. And I would never have met her if it wasn't for this. And so it's given me, it's given me great pleasure as a result, which is nice. It's my reward. It's, it's one of the things that I absolutely love because it just shines out of you. And it comes from a very authentic place as well, which I think is important. And it's interesting listening to you and and listening to the things that make you feel fulfilled and vulnerability being one of those. It's never struck me in a corporate environment where I've been as well in my career that that is something that is necessarily valued Mm. or looked for. So how do you balance being able to be yourself, have that authenticity, show your vulnerability in an environment where that isn't necessarily the norm? It is tough, actually. And I struggled with it. I think if I sort of divide my career into two halves of 10, if you like, so 20 odd years, the first half, I think I felt I was acting a role, trying to be someone I probably wasn't. And and you've got all these different role models. But the last 10 years, and particularly the last seven years, I felt the opportunity to be more of a heart-led leader and be vulnerable, be my authentic self. And that's come because I was given permission to do so in a way. And partly because I felt that I was covering up a really core part of me. And I really struggled with that. I don't think you're any less of a business leader just because you have empathy, just because you're vulnerable. In fact, you know, I have such respect for those leaders who will share with me what's kind of going on in their life or when they're finding it hard or when the struggle is. And I particularly think that's true from a female role model perspective. You know, I often talk to my early and career females around the fact that sometimes you see these women who've just grown up as men because that was all their role models were. And it's really hard to relate to them as a mother at times, as a woman who, who feels things in the universe. So I had an amazing leader called Michelle van der Bell, who was an amazing Dutchman, who was my boss when I was chief of staff at Microsoft. 
And he was the guy who encouraged me to be my authentic self. We work with, a, with another guy called Rolf Winters, who works very much on kind of heart-led leadership. He said to me, we need more people like you. We need you to bring your heart into the corporate culture. Now, I have to, at times, watch myself in some of those moments, and I have to observe and anticipate the room to see whether they're ready for me <laughs> in all that glory. But oftentimes, you know what? One of my signature strengths is humor, and I bring that and my empathy in, and normally that kind of works. It doesn't mean that I can't do my job. I absolutely feel I can do it, but I just bring a different dimension to it, I hope. And your career at Microsoft has been, there's so many different aspects to it. So you've been leader of people at the highest level. You know, you are now in sales. So there's lots of different strings to your bow. How do you set yourself up for success in these different roles with such different skill sets? You know, I get very bored very easily as anyone who knows me well <laughs> with a test two and I need new challenges. And in fact, when I was at a prior company to joining Microsoft, there was a wonderful guy there who wrote this letter to my future boss. And in it, it said, you must keep feeding her new challenges and opportunities. It was very perceptive. It was lovely. I still have it on a wall somewhere. But, you know, the way I approach it, I, as I said before, I, I fundamentally believe you can do anything you put your mind to. That's my belief in life. It's not a matter of no for me. It's actually, if you tell me no, I will go and try and do it and prove myself wrong or right in some way as best I can. And those things, that for me is kind of really, really critical in how I manage my career. But also I'm a real opportunist. Often I coach people who are, who've got such a linear view of where they want to get to. And I think you can miss out on so many opportunities if you don't look at what's kind of around you. So that means my career might look a bit squiggly at times but I've had the most amazing experiences. I'm always a person who'll put their hand up and say, give me a go. I'll take it on. I'll I'll have a go. And that's really, really helped me. And that accelerated me at one moment, one pivotal moment. I took on a project. I'd just come back from maternity leave, took on this project, and it had such significant ramifications for our business. We didn't really understand at that point. And it just accelerated me. And if I hadn't have taken it, and it was completely sideways, really, but if I hadn't have taken it, I would never, never have had the opportunity I had to become chief of staff and then change my career from sort of marketing into sales and be where I am now. So we've got mentors in there who've led you and helped mm. you to be yourself and, and shown you that that's okay, which is quite unusual. You know, that allowing you to be vulnerable is lovely to hear. And I want to understand from you what traits you look for in other people. So when you're surrounding yourself with a team that is going to bolster your strengths and mean that collectively you're successful what are you looking for so I gosh there's so many but I created something a few years ago called the a tree which I share with early and career girls because I love trees I like to hug trees it's a kind of link there but it talks about things like adaptability aptitude awareness so self-awareness so things like you know your own self-awareness inclusion inclusive behavior I don't care if you haven't got the best academic record. I have seen so many people thrive and succeed in business who haven't got like 50 degrees and what have you. What I want from somebody is somebody who's willing to learn. I think having a learn it all kind of culture in your head and willing to grasp things is so important. Growth mindset, we talk about it a lot at Microsoft, this need to have to kind of really focus on, I can make mistakes, but I can get there and do it. 
So those are the kinds of things I find really, really important. So empathy, inclusion, growth mindset, you know, self-awareness for me and, and this kind of learn it all mindset. And the learn it all mindset, as you say, is very pertinent to Microsoft and they talk about it all of the time. I'm really yeah. interested in that because growth mindset piece is something that we have to consciously do, a lot of us, because most of us come from the place of fixed mindset naturally based yeah. on our experiences. And lots of people are running the program of, I can't get anything wrong or it's the end of the world. Yeah. So how do you support people in that when they've made a mistake? you know, and it is clear that the mistake has been made by an individual. How do you support people through that? Actually, at Microsoft, we celebrate them. And I do as well. So I don't believe in things like ritual humiliation. I think, you know, nobody thrives well in those environments. And, and I've been in cultures like that, you know, when people are sort of picking in at things and people. But we do now, and I do sort of try and understand from the individual what went wrong. You know, what was, what was happening at that moment? What lessons have you learned, actually? So when you reflect back, how do you have done it differently? I do a lot of coaching. I think coaching rather than telling and in that kind of teach moment is really important. So helping them with open-ended questions, understand how they may have approached something differently. And I think it's okay to build the culture, which is okay to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's okay to fail. You know, as I said, I've got two children. I have one who's definitely the fixed mindset. The other one is definitely not the fixed mindset and, and far more. I'll keep trying and trying and trying. And actually having children's really taught me about people's psyche and how you manage teams. Uh, but it is hard. There are people who have all kinds of things going on in their life, right? They've had all kinds of childhoods and you never know what is triggering them to behave in, in kind of certain ways. I'm really interested in that part of my team. And I really want to always kind of help them try to understand what could be driving them to do it. I think what's important, though, is positive, constructive feedback based on strengths, but also identifying their impact on others. So if they are making the same mistakes again and again, you know, understand the impact they have and helping them to kind of get through that. People talk about performance management as a negative thing. I think it can be really positive. Sometimes some people are just in the wrong jobs and actually they just need some help to understand that there's a better place for them and they'd be happier there. And, and other times people are in the right jobs, but just having a really rubbish time at that moment. But I think empathy in those moments for me is really, really critical in terms of helping them through making mistakes and overcoming fear of failure. Couldn't agree more. And the way that you've articulated it as celebrate the mistake. I mean, I've never heard anyone say that before, certainly not on the podcast. And you're right. That is the way to do it, isn't it? And to find out how it happened and what could be done differently. And you mentioned the lessons learned. So let's understand from Sam then your lessons learned along the way, because you've had so much stuff happen to you and such a varied career. What have you learned about yourself? Oh, gosh, where do I start? We've got all day. So you and I have spoken about this before. I think the big thing for me and, and right now is the should or ought versus what I want to do. I think so much and as a young female and as a female in the tech industry, the expectation of what you should be doing or ought to be doing in terms of your next step of your career. And actually now I've got to this point, which is what do I want to be doing? Because I think only through that passion and purpose, do you thrive in tough conditions that we're feeling right now? And for me, my other lesson is that life is too short. Life really is too short. We're currently in a horrific pandemic. 
But having had that health scare back in my late 20s, I realized that life is there to be lived. You know, you've got to go and kind of take it by the horns and go with it and take opportunities that come. And if that opportunity means go and take a year out, do it. You know, what is ultimately it will enrich you in, in some way. What other life lessons have I learned? Look after yourself. You know, I've gone through periods in my life when I've really looked after my health. I've eaten well, I've exercised and other times when I haven't. And I've really noticed the, for me, the material impact it has on my health and my mental health. You know, I loved running. I don't do as much of it anymore now, but when I was running regularly, it was my space. It was my sacred space and I processed everything. And I look fondly now at those moments when I was running in the rain. So yeah, self-care, self-healing, looking after yourself, I think are really, really important. And my other lesson is learning, reading. I love reading. It's something that I, I list, love listening to books. I think our ability to be open-minded for everything, to question everything and to learn things. You know, you and I have all witnessed what's been going on in the US for the last sort of four years and, and recently as well. Factfulness and, and seeking knowledge below the headline um, and learning things for me is such a critical skill, that kind of critical thinking skill, I guess. I think it's so important. And I think as long as you keep learning, your mind will keep working. And hopefully you'll live to a grand old age of 120. Oh, I have no doubt that you will. I really have no doubt. <laughs> I don't know if my kids would like to live to 120. <laughs> and the, the self-care bit is so important. And I want to just touch on it again, because so many women in particular feel that it's not okay for them to take time out and prioritize mm-hmm. themselves. And I'm always banging the drum about, you know, you must put yourself first in order for you to be great for you and for everyone around you. So it's lovely to hear you, you know, saying just how important that is, but also saying that sometimes it isn't front and center because it's very easy for us to put it down as much as it is to pick it up. So it's nice to hear you say that. And, you know, for me to hear the let go of the shoulds and the oughts, you know, I think it should be taken out of the dictionary, quite frankly, because it's somebody else's rule book, isn't it, that we often are following. So listening to you say, I'm doing the right things for me based on what I want and that you're growing into that is just inspirational. Hard though, so hard. Oh God, yeah, of course it is. Because the rules are there and we don't like breaking them. But it's great as well to try and do it, for sure. Be a rule breaker. Always. And tell me, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Well, I wanted to be two things when I was a little girl. At the age of 10, I wanted to either be an astronaut or an actress. I obviously wasn't very creative. I didn't go down the alphabet, but those were the two things I really wanted to do. I was obsessed with, with space and still am actually. I'm, I'd love to go into space. If Elon Musk is listening and wants to send me <laughs> on you know, SpaceX somewhere, I'm there. So I was unfortunately discouraged to study sciences by a teacher at school. And that really completely turned me off. My other side, my other creative side is, is acting. I love the theatre. I love anything kind of creative. And in fact, that's what I studied at university. So it's a drama and music, oh, drama and English rather. And I absolutely adore it. But my fear of failure back then was what held me back from pursuing that career. Because I just thought I'm never going to be good enough, not pretty enough. You know, all the things that kind of come into your head about, you know, you know, all the stuff that kind of plays out. But Looking at the positive thing, I've had an amazing career. I use all of the skills that I learned in acting in my day job 
when I'm feeling unconfident and I'm just, can I just pursue a role and, and, you know, all those things. So it's all really, really helped me. But yeah, if I, and now actually I, I'm really involved in children's theatre through my daughter and, and all those things. So watching it from a different lens, but yeah, those are the things that I, uh, I wish I could have been. Oh, and that actress thing, yeah, I could just see you on the West End <laughs> stage, but it's lovely to hear that your daughter's doing that now and she's so successful in her own right as well. You must be really proud. I am really proud. And the fact that she's doing it off her own bat, so I really haven't pushed her into it and it's definitely not my genetics, but she's doing her own thing. And, and you know, I'm learning through her. You know, I learn through her about resilience. We talked about earlier about my two children. My son is the fixed mindset. Boy, he is definitely more like me in terms of I've got to do it perfectly every time. Whereas my daughter will just approach things. And, you know, to begin with, she found it tough, but she's the rejection comes through thick and fast, right? And she just takes the feedback, she works on it, and she kind of goes out again. And I just am amazed that a 13 year old child has that ability to adapt. So it's teaching her amazing life skills. Hopefully, they will put her in great stead for when she's older. Absolutely, they will. And even just reframing that word rejection into one yeah. of feedback. So there's nothing right or wrong about it. It's just feedback. It's just information. Well, That's a really good way to look at it. And, and as I was telling you, you know, often at the point when you go through recalls in, in theatre, it's never about talent. The fact you've got through out of probably thousands is the proof of your talent. It comes down to random things like, do you look like the parent or the people in the family? Do you have blue eyes? Do you have a round chin or a square chin? Do you have brown hair? Those are the things that typically tip it over the edge more than talent. And as she's learned that, she realizes it's just the luck of the draw at times. And, you know, she tries her best and that's all you can do. That's all we all can do, isn't it? And on that note, then, we are going to allow you to try your best in the five second game rule game, which is putting you on the spot to give me three answers to a question in just five seconds. Okay, wow. I'll try. <laughs> I've, got, I've got all the faith. So, Sam, in the five second game rule, can you give me three words that describe you? Loving, laughter, and energetic. I love that. I was waiting for tree hugger at the end there. I thought, is she <laughs> going to say it? Is she going to say it? Loving, laughter, and energetic. Perfect way to sum you up. And the final question, I can't believe we're at the end already because you're just so interesting and we could make this an hour and a half long and it wouldn't be long enough. But I'd love to know the killer question that everybody wants to hear the answer to is, in your view, what is the absolute secret to success? I think the absolute secret to success is open-mindedness. I love it. Because who knows where your success might lie, but being open, being open to things and willing to embrace new things, I think is the, for me, is the secret to success. Do you know, it's the first time in nearly 50 podcasts <laughs> that we've had open-mindedness and you're so right. You know, that ability to, as you said earlier in the podcast, if you've got too linear a view of where you're heading, you miss the opportunities along the way. You know, if you're not doing the research, if you're not digging below the headlines, you're missing the true stories. If you're not reaching out and helping people, you're missing out on the fulfillment. Yeah. So this sense of looking beyond the blinkers, it's brilliant. And testament to your success as well. 
hopefully maybe we'll see sometimes maybe not sometimes but yes I do think <laughs> that open-mindedness is and, and, and actually now probably more so than ever I think in the current yeah. climate we have I think having an open mind to everything is 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 critical oh do you know what Sam it's a joy to talk to you I knew you that day much. when we were in the Venus Awards together yes. you won I didn't we were it was that I think it was the session before wasn't it when you and I just kind of connected because I was on my own in that room and and you were so good you were like okay I've spotted a lone female I'm gonna go and buddy up with her and you were so amazing you put me completely at ease so thank you for that I appreciate it oh you're welcome and then we had the dinner didn't we and um I remember sitting and observing you you were on the next table to me we were both up for different things weren't we and your face when you won the award, it was just so lovely. It was like a mixture of humility and joy all in one bundle, which is just- I was very shocked. And yeah, because I was up against Dorothy, who is for me- Is amazing inspiration. woman. Yeah, I was, I was utterly, utterly shocked, but no, it was lovely. It's always lovely to think that people think that much of you. So yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, and you deserved it. And it's been an absolute pleasure to- talk to you thank you for being so open and honest and sharing you know stuff from your personal life as well as your work it really does make a difference to lots of people thank you for the chance and opportunity talk to you soon talk to you soon bye-bye i do hope that you enjoyed listening to the mindset mentor meets podcast if you did be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.